Welcome to the Building Healthy Organizations podcast. We understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I'm glad you joined us today for our continued journey to understand how to build a healthy organization. Let's be honest. No one wants to think about an economic recession, but one is coming. Maybe not next year, maybe it will be next year, but sometime in the future, another recession will come. So for the next several weeks, I want to focus on how do we recession-proof our organizations. Now, I know it's impossible to completely recession-proof your organization, where there's absolutely no impact at all, but you may be surprised at how much you can actually do to thrive, not just survive, during a recession. Now, I'm sure we've all heard there are a variety of things that we need to focus on when a recession is coming our way. Build up a financial war chest, don't over-leverage your organization, cut expenses wherever you can, put in place controls on the use of resources, Ensure every major purchase brings value as rapidly as possible. Those are some of the financial and controls side of things that we can do. Spoiler alert. Focusing just on the financial side, or coming at this from simply an accounting perspective, will not recession-proof your organization. Are the financials important? Absolutely. But they're not the total answer. As a matter of fact, good financials are an outcome of good performance and accountability throughout the organization. I want to focus more on the opportunity side. What competitors can you take market share from during a recession? What new talent becomes available and comes on the employment marketplace that could really benefit your organization? What innovations or pivots could bring you new revenue streams? You probably heard the phrase, the best defense is a good offense. And of course, we've heard the opposite of that. The best offense is a good defense. I want to focus in on the opportunity side for recession-proofing organizations. For this series, what, what does it mean, opportunity, in a recession? Well, we've talked about a few things. We just listed off a few things. But... What do they have in common? Well, every one of those opportunities I listed, market share from competitors, new talent that comes available, innovations, um, what pivot points uh, might be appropriate, every single one of those opportunities depend on the same thing, people. Specifically, how equipped and prepared are your people to engage 
and contribute. The success pathway that we've talked about in the past, and I'll remind you if you haven't listened to that episode or actually multiple episodes where I've talked about what is a success pathway. I use the word success, created an acronym out of it, and listed a variety of things. It really is, what are the expectations? Let's bring clarity and understanding around those. Let's put measures around those. Let's manage to those. Let's support people around those expectations so that everyone has a very, very clear understanding of what an individual or a team's or even an organization's success pathway looks like. So the success pathway for recession-proofing your organization starts with some foundational building blocks. The first is a culture of accountability. And I can't state how important that is. Having a culture of accountability will add so much value to your organization. A workplace where honest discussions are welcomed and practiced. Where everyone has a voice. Where learning and development are a priority, not an afterthought. Where we can become more engaged, agile, resilient, and vital. When I say vital, think energy levels. The energy to get things done. Where everyone is a leader even if they're only leading themselves, and where connection, collaboration, and trust are abundant. Those are some key building blocks to recession-proofing an organization. And every single one of those resides in the people side of the business. And I'm sure you can think of others you may want to add to that list. When these foundational elements are in place, the possibilities are almost without limit. In this series, and I'm going to do a five-week series on recession-proofing your organization. So in this series, I want to provide some practical applications to recession-proof your organization, specifically by equipping and empowering your people so they can execute and contribute at their highest levels. We're going to explore this week, which is the power of people and opportunity. Next week, it'll be assess where you are right now. Let's figure out what is our current reality so that we have good insight and data to work from. Then the following week, we'll look at deciding on what the best success pathway is for you to move forward, for your organization to move forward, literally creating a success pathway and a plan. The next week will be aligning everyone and everything. That's, that sounds like a huge kind of, of week and a, and a huge topic, but it really isn't that difficult. It's not that complex when you create a guiding coalition, when you create rules of doing things that everybody can understand and keep that simple. And the last week, the fifth week on recession-proofing your business, 
What are the specific action steps you can take to move forward? Now that we've introduced this series, where do we go from here? I think it starts with the power of people. People impact outcomes and results. People are the most important asset that any organization has. But I have a question about that. And I've seen this happen over and over and over. Why do so many organizations fail to invest in the growth and development of their people? Do you know that's one of the biggest reasons behind the great resignation that we've just been through and probably continues as of now? People did not feel like they were valued. They didn't see their organizations investing in them. So they started looking for something better. Now, whether there's truth in that or not, it doesn't matter. People operate out of their perceptions. Their perception is their reality. Back to my question. Why do so many organizations fail to invest in the growth and development of their people? I have seen a few thousand dollars in investment in growth and development turn into hundreds of thousands of dollars of return on investment. And I've seen that happen multiple times. Where else can you get that kind of return on investment? You're not going to get it in the stock market. You're not going to get it buying gold and silver, no matter what the TV commercials tell you. Bottom line, people are the best investment that you can make. Getting the right talent to start with and then taking those people, your people, And really pouring into them and investing in them will give you the biggest return on investment. I'm going to stop a second and and really share what I call a very, very important focus. Investing in the growth and development of your people is one of the best ways to recession-proof your organization. Why do I say that? Why do I make that bold claim? Number one, you retain your top talent by investing in them. You create new skills that you haven't had before. You increase agility and resilience. You create winning mindsets in your people. You reduce burnout. You foster connection. You foster and cultivate innovation. What an amazing impact a simple investment in your people can make. And even if you're not sure about the value of what can come out of investing in growth and development of your people, ask somebody who knows, who's been there and done that, or a professional like me who does it for a living. I cannot think of a better return on investment that you can make. I cannot think of a better way to recession-proof your business than to equip your people to prosper. So let's focus back on the opportunities that could happen in a recession. And again, I, I know it may sound counterintuitive, uh, 
But look back to periods of economic downturn in the past. Can you identify things that you or your organization either could have done or maybe did do to gain an advantage? How can that happen? Well, first, by removing the mental roadblocks. What do I mean by that? I've been helping people grow and develop themselves literally for decades. One thing has become very, very clear. The vast majority of roadblocks people face are self-imposed. They put up their own roadblocks. Where does that come from? Emotional detractors, fear, doubt, anxiety, worry, stress, Those are all emotional detractors. They are emotions that keep people stuck. They're emotions that derail people and that stop forward progress. They stop decision-making. They stop action-taking. I want to stop for a second and let's do a quick exercise. I want to emphasize this point by just going through a quick exercise with you. Two parts in this exercise. Part one. Think of a time recently when you felt like you were blocked. You couldn't move forward for some reason. You felt stuck. You were struggling to move forward. Now, got it in your mind? What were you thinking in that moment or at that time? What were you feeling? What decisions did you put off or evade? Now go back and focus on what you were feeling in that situation where you felt blocked. Can you name those feelings? Literally label those feelings. Was it fear? Was it anxiety? Doubt? Worry? Stress? What was it emotion-wise that was keeping you stuck? When you can name those, What normally happens to you when you have those emotions? What's your regular pattern of responding to those kinds of emotions? Now, how did you get past that block? Or if you haven't yet, what could you do to get past that block? Most roadblocks are self-imposed. All right, part two of the exercise. Think of a change you want to make, either in your work or your personal life. What are your thoughts about that change? What are your feelings or emotions about the change that you want to make? Are those emotions helping you to move forward? We call that emotional drivers. Or are they holding you back? what we call emotional detractors. What could you do to turn your emotional detractors into emotional drivers? Now, I know there's not going to be one right answer for everyone. Just as we are all unique individuals, our challenges are unique to us. But there is something that will help all of us. 
So what is that thing that will help all of us? If you feel stuck or blocked, then do something different. I mean, this is not rocket science here, right? Um, Start with researching your challenge. Learn new skills or gain new knowledge. We all know the definition of insanity that is so popular. You keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Well, this same approach applies directly to recession-proofing our organizations. The very nature of a recession environment is going to add to the emotional load that people are carrying. Nobody likes a recession. Nobody wants to get into something like that. But the reality is they're going to come whether we would like them to or not. It's how we respond that is important. Equip people to prosper by investing in emotional intelligence skill development. I think that's critical. If emotions are blocking you, if roadblocks are being generated because of emotional detractors, then teach people how to deal with those things, how to navigate those difficult waters better so they can get to the destination that they want to get to, get the success that they want to get, and that our organizations then can become more successful. That's a great place to start. Empower people to remove their roadblocks and create a winning mindset. And this is not a false name it and claim it mindset. I'm talking about a healthy, vital mindset where people can feel good even about the challenges they're going through, the trials, the tribulations, all of the stuff that comes at us. Have you ever felt a time in your life where you faced a challenge, but it actually gave you energy? It made you feel confident that you could overcome that challenge. That's what I'm talking about. That's a winning mindset. So I want to close out this episode focused on action steps. Because if we don't put some practical actions in place, all we're doing is talking about stuff. So remember the success pathway that we explored earlier and we've talked about success pathways in the past. Here's some things you can control. Number one, assess where you are today and what you will need going forward. Get good data, get good information, figure out what's going on right now, where you are right now, find the gaps and figure out how do we shore up those gaps. Number two, create a culture of ownership and accountability. Now, I know you're going to hear that a lot. You're going to read it in books. All of these different professional experts are going to tell you the same thing I'm telling you right now. Here's where I'm going to be a little different. I can tell you how to do that. We can talk about how do you create a culture of ownership and accountability. That'll be coming in future episodes. Reward and reinforce practices that foster collaboration and innovation. That's number three. Number four, commit to developing a psychologically safe work environment. 
where people can feel safe to have honest discussions. A lot of people call that feedback. And there's, there's all kinds of triggers involved with different words. You may have a trigger around feedback. Some people do. I saw an article recently that said, you know, feedback is dead. Here's a new way of doing things. Well, like, that's a cute name for an article, but the reality is feedback's important. Feedback is a gift. If someone is willing to risk by giving you feedback, that is a gift, and we should treat it as such. Consider changing from traditional performance management models to more of a contribution model of performance, where people have a voice in their expectations and goals, where they can actually come to you and talk about what they want to contribute in the quarter or the year to come. Obviously, there have to be guidelines. People can't just run amok and do whatever they want. There have to be appropriate guidelines and expectations. But here's something else that I've experienced. When staff members, employees, when our people are involved in setting goals for themselves, both developmental goals and just actual practical goals, they tend to set them higher than we would. That may seem surprising to you, but I've seen it happen over and over again. So involve your people in a contribution model of performance. Number six, recognize and reward leadership wherever you see it. I don't care who it is and what their role in the organization is. When you notice and and see a leadership moment, that needs to be recognized and rewarded as rapidly as possible. And number seven, celebrate wins. Celebrate the wins that you have along the way. All of these action steps, when done well, will generate the energy and focus that's needed to face the next challenge or to take advantage of the next opportunity. This is how you recession-proof your organization. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Building Healthy Organizations by EQFIT. We do understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior and performance in the workplace. We also love hearing your suggestions and ideas. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at info at gscfit.com. For more information and inspiration, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and of course our website, eqfit.org.